I want to speak to you for a few moments about fire and rain. Fire and rain, two opposite things, but the Lord uses them both. Any, isn't that a James Taylor song? I don't know. Is anybody, isn't it? Yep, there's a couple people. Does anybody know who James Taylor is? Is that a James, fire and rain? Well, that's not what I'm talking about. I just happened to think of the title, and I want to talk to you about fire and the rain from the Bible. But uh, how many of you have heard of the concept of the latter and the former rain? Raise your hand. A few of you. Okay, good. Well, some of you haven't heard, and that's good, because I'm going to talk about that for a few minutes. In Hosea chapter 6, in verse 3, do we have that scripture? It says, let us know and let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. He is going forth and established as the morning. He will come to us like rain, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. He will come to us like rain, like the latter and former. So there's lots of scriptures about the, the latter and the former rain. Lots of scriptures in the Bible, lots of passages. In the New Testament, in James chapter 5, it also talks about the, the rain, the former rain, the latter rain. It says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain, the former and the latter rain. And so during the harvest time in Palestine, Palestine they would have spring rains and they would have, former, they would have fall rains or autumn rains. And so the spring rains would be the former rains and the, the fall rains would be the latter rains. And so the rain, if the, if the Israelites were... If they were faithful to the covenant, God would send his rain, and they needed the rain. Their whole lives revolved around having a plentiful harvest and God sending the rain. How many of you know they prayed for rain? They needed rain. It was all a part of their life, man. They had to have their crops watered so they could survive. And so I believe that God, for us to finish what God wants to do on the earth, we have to have a, a, a similar desperation for the rain of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we have to look for the rain. We have, to, we have to be desperate for the move and the rain and the moving of God in our hearts and our life. We get dry. We get thirsty. Christianity was never made to, to live in our own strength. It's the acts of the, holy, acts of the apostles in your Bible, but it's really the acts of the Holy Spirit, moving, moving through a people who were full of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is the Savior, right? He is the sanctifier. He changes us continually from glory to glory. He's the healer, right? But he's the spirit baptizer. John the Baptist said, I will ba- he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's the spirit baptizer. He's the soon and coming king. And we want to know every attribute of Jesus in his fullness, Amen. We don't want to just know him as the Savior. We want to know him as the Spirit baptizer, as the healer. And we want to look for his coming. We want to fall more and more in love with him as we live on the earth, don't we? Until we see the heavens split and we can be with him. 
and we are looking to him. We want to know him in his fullness and know him in his power. We don't want to have a false image of Jesus. We want to know the Jesus of the Bible, okay? Amen? We want to know who he really is, and we want to know him. We want to see him. That's our quest. He's a person. He's the man, Christ Jesus. Amen? And so the fire and the rain, the former rain and the latter rain, In Acts chapter 2, God poured his spirit out. Acts chapter 2 was a fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel chapter 2. And it says, when the day of Pentecost was was fully here, they were in one accord, in one place, up in the upper room, I was in the upper room one year, years ago. I got to visit that, and I was in the upper room, and I took the coolest picture with Pastor in the upper room, and this girl like photobombed it and ruined the whole thing. It's not even worth showing you. So I'm going to get a picture in the upper room. But they were in the upper room, and they were praying, and God just began to fulfill this prophecy that's written in Joel chapter 2, which also talks about the former and the latter rain. If you read the, the chapter in Joel chapter 2, and, it, and so the, they knew, they, Peter proclaimed, this is what's happening. They're not drunk as you think. This is what's happening. It's the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. And you guys know that passage. It says, your sons and your daughters. He said, I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. He says, this is what's happening right now. This is that, that uh, prophecy. It's happening right now. God's pouring out his spirit on all flesh It was powerful. It was miracles. People were speaking other languages. God was pouring the rain down on his church. So listen, that's the former rain. That was a moment. That was the former rain. And so the church began in the book of Acts, chapter 2. That's the story of the church, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the beginning of the church. So throughout church history, there was always pockets of God pouring his spirit out all over the earth. God was moving. He was pouring his spirit out all over the earth. There was pockets. You would see groups of people. You would see different, you know, different sects of Christians. And God would touch and he would move and there would be miracles and God would pour his spirit out. But it was never like an outpouring, like what happened. You would see pockets of it. And then until, and, and God would do occasional things, but it's until, and so a group of people, believers, they begin praying and they begin believing for an outpouring. And they said, God, you did the former rain in Acts 2, send the latter rain, pour your spirit out on the earth. In Palestine, many times the fall rain would be greater than the spring rain. There'd be more rain. And they said, do a mighty outpouring, even more than you did in Acts chapter 2. Pour your spirit. And people, God's people began to pray and believe for the loud rain that would usher in a great harvest and the return of Christ. And they were praying and believing it. Until we get to the turn of the, 19th, the end of the 1800s, the turn of the century, and the beginning of the, of the 1900s, God began to move. And he began to pour his spirit out in special ways that were similar all over the earth. A man named Charles Fox Parham in Topeka, Kansas. God began to use him in his Bible college. Many of you have heard of William Seymour, the Azusa Street Revival, a one-eyed African-American preacher who preached from an apple crate. 
apple barrel turned over began to preach, and signs and wonders began to happen, and people would begin to be healed, and God had been to, began to pour his spirit out in Los Angeles, and it began to spread across America, and it began to spread overseas, and God began to pour his spirit out. This was just a little over 100 years ago, guys. A century ago, God began to do something on the earth. Aren't you glad you get to be a part? Aren't you glad you get to hear the message and to be a part of the reign of God and what he's doing. He began to pour his spirit out all over the earth. And a giant wave of people started getting saved in South America, Latin America. This move of God, of miracles. God pouring his spirit out. People speaking in other tongues, being healed. The wave of God was moving in South America, Central America, in Africa. Millions of people coming to Christ all over the earth, India, China, people hungry for God, God pouring his spirit out, people getting saved, a global movement. You can call it Pentecostalism. You can call it charismatic, chariz, charismatics. That was more in the 70s, the 80s. That was a renewal. You can call it being filled with the spirit. It doesn't matter what you call it. God was pouring his spirit out. I don't believe we can put God in a box. It's not about formulas and labels. What kind of church is Celebration Church? I don't know. We're believing. We believe in the power of God. We believe in the moving of God. We believe the scriptures. We're hungry for a move of God. And so God began to pour his spirit out. A, hundred, a little over 100 years ago. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful as a believer, to be a part of the latter rain, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be a part and to hear teaching and to be under the moves of God where he's moving. And if we seek him and if we're hungry and we're desperate, he will touch our life and fill us with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit restores the wonder in your heart, in your life when it comes to following Jesus. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's a promise. And so it's very, very significant. It's a very profound promise. It's very important. This doctrine, this teaching, this idea that God wants to fill you with his spirit and touch you with his spirit, and endue you with power for his service. It's very important, guys. It's not a fringe doctrine. Can you hear my heart tonight? It's, 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 it's a part of this movement, this latter rain movement, that's been sweeping over the earth for over a century. What is God doing now? What's he doing now? I think he's doing a new thing. I think there's a freshness I think we need the power of God more today than ever before. It's not like when you think of, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the move. Look, listen, that's not an old wineskin, old thing. This is, the, this is the moving of the Spirit of God. Behold, I shall do a new thing. Shall you not know it? I'll make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He wants to pour his spirit out even more than ever. He's looking for a people that will be desperate and hungry 
for his spirit to move. And he will meet us. He will touch us if we just keep seeking and asking and knocking for a move of God. We've had sprinklings. We've had the river of God. We've had God pouring his spirit out. But I know with all my heart, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain in Jacksonville, Florida, guys. Can you hear the sound? Listen, in your spiritual ears, can you hear the sound of the abundance of rain? Do you believe that there's an open heaven over this city? Do you believe that we are entering into a move of God? Do you believe that he's going to open the heavens and pour out his rain on this city? And it's going to be significant? I believe it, man. Can you hear the sound in your spiritual ears? Can you hear the sound of the abundance of rain? I can feel it, man. I can hear it. I know he wants to pour his spirit out on this city. He wants to do it because there's a group, there's a people in Jacksonville that want it. There's a group here that want the move of God. Our pastor, he wants the move of God. He will pay the price. He doesn't care. He's not concerned about his reputation. He wants the move of God. And I believe God's going to meet us right where we are. Do you believe that? The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit releases miracle power in our lives. He restores the wonder of our faith, power for supernatural exploits beyond our understanding and even our expectations and dreams. It's the power of God. He's sending his reign. In 1 Kings chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Many of you know this passage. It's the story of Elijah. And I was reading it this afternoon, and many of you have heard sermons around this passage. It's a showdown with the prophets of Baal. And many of you have heard about this. So he's just one prophet, and he goes toe-to-toe with 450 prophets of Baal. It's a funny story to me. It really is. And so in 1 Kings chapter 18, I think we have it up on the screen. It says, Elijah said to the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Many of you have been coming to Celebration Church for a while, and you can see that we made this altar much bigger. Do you remember when it was just way back there? Way back Way back on the stage. Man, I don't use a paper Bible much anymore. Trying to flip around up here. So let me <laughs> let me find my space. Okay, here we go. So we used to our altar used to be way back here. So some of you may remember last January we had a, a speaker here, uh, Rob Hoskins, who has a ministry called One Hope that gives the Bible to children all over the world. They're great friends of ours, okay? He preached here in last January, and he, he prophesied that, if, that we have to build altars before we build temples. Altars before temples. And he says that if we establish an, an altar for the Lord, we will touch the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ in 90 days. We have 90 days to establish an altar and, and, and will touch the wor- which will touch the world for Jesus Christ and his gospel and his kingdom. And pastor had a word, build the altar. 
and he, he, he had us build this altar. I love it. It's much better, isn't it, than being way back there. It's much better. It changed the whole flow of our, the whole vibe of our service, didn't it? And we carpeted the altar. And it's just much warmer. It's much better. Do y'all like it? I like it much better. I, th- I love being up. It's like a, so God, so we established the altar now. When we planted the church 20 years ago in the school down the street, I went and bought some baby blue carpet. <laughs> For real. So the church was in a trailer that I towed on my truck. Bought some baby blue used, not used. I guess it was used. That's sad, isn't it? That's what we did. Our pulpit was a music stand. Two, two music stands taped together with duct tape. I'm not exaggerating. And we hung cloth over it so it would look decent. Okay, so I got some baby blue carpet in my truck, and I used to roll it out in front of the pulpit on Sunday mornings, every Sunday, and that was our altar. And we always had altar calls. Right after the church started, we started praying for people at the altar. It was one of my favorite parts of the church. I I loved praying for people at the altar. And so we believe in the past. So what is the altar? So the scripture says, put that scripture back up, please. It says, the first thing Elijah did, he, he gets in this battle with the prophets of Baal, and you guys know the story. It's, it's pretty funny. He, he, he um, tells them to pray to their God, and he'll pray to his and see which one wins, right? And so they start praying to theirs, and nothing happens, and he, he starts to mock them. I like that about Elijah. He says, what's wrong with your God? Is he busy? In the Hebrew, I think it says, it can mean, is he using the bathroom? (laughs) You got to love that. What's wrong with your God? Is he using the bathroom? Is he meditating? Is, what's he doing? Is he asleep? Because he's not doing anything. So that makes him mad, and they begin to dance and sing and cut themselves around the altar, but nothing happens, right? So what what does he do? He is, the first thing he does is, come near to me, people, he says, and now all the people come near, and he repairs the altar that was broken down. He established an altar. And so we, got, we had a word from the Lord, and we established the altar. We reestablished the altar because it just never felt right in the arena. We've always had it. It just never felt right, but it feels right now. Can I have an amen? And so what is the deal with the altar? Of course, we know in the Bible it was where they sacrificed animals, right? But for us, it's, it's symbolic. And when you come to the altar, it's a demonstration of you coming and surrendering to God and meeting with him. So when you come to the altar, you're demonstrating, God, I am coming to the altar. I need you. I'm desperate for you. I'm dependent upon you. I need you to move in my life. I need a miracle I'm not dependent upon myself. I can't make it with, on my own strength. I'm coming to you, God, at the altar. I do a miracle. Many times a friend will come alongside, and so now what does the altar represent? It represents if any two of you agree as touching anything they ask, it'll be done by my Father in heaven. It's a place of agreement. It, I think it's a place of community. Some of the most beautiful times are people at the altar praying for one another. It's a place of community. The first thing Elijah did was he reestablished the altar. He repaired the altar. It's a place for the gifts to 
to operate, people to pray over each other, a word of knowledge. I remember when I was in Louisiana, I was praying about coming to Shreveport. I lived in Shreveport. I was praying about coming to Jacksonville. And this lady at our church, she was a pastor at our church. I came to the altar. She came and prayed over me that Sunday. Man, listen to this. This is powerful. I'm praying. I'm saying, God, am I supposed to move to Jacksonville? It's over 20 years ago. I'm praying. This lady comes by me at the altar. I see you moving to a new city (laughs) to establish a work like in the book of Acts, going house to house, breaking bread. Man, how many of you know those things are just so powerful? How many of you know I just, Ashley and I got in the car and were like, well, I guess we're moving to Jacksonville. (laughs) Confirmed. Let's do it. You love that. Don't you love that? There's nothing like a word from the Lord. Man. So look in, look in 1 Kings 18. So he builds this altar, a place for the fire of God to come. I'm talking to you for a few minutes about fire and rain. And so he, he makes this altar, and then in verse 33, he says, he put the wood in order, cut the bulls in pieces and laid the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. Then he said, do it a second time. Then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. And he also filled the trenches with water. He keeps pouring water on this. He does it multiple times. To me, it just represents, of course, we know water can represent the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus said, out of your heart, your belly will flow rivers of living water. You'll never thirst again. And so, but to me, he builds this altar, then he begins to pour water on it. He says, do it again. Do it again. Pour water into these, these water pots until it overflows. And he dug a trench and he filled it up with water. To me, it just represents Keep pouring. Keep coming to the altar. Keep bringing your needs before God. Don't give up. Stay at the altar. Keep coming to that altar. Don't quit coming to the altar. There's, there's times I've prayed for people at the altar, and this is what I've prayed. God, here we are at your altar. And we want you to know we will be here. We were not giving up. We will be at this altar. We're going to keep believing. Why do I pray that? Because I prayed that. I'll be here. Well, I want you to know I'll be at this altar till my need is met. I'm not quitting. Pour the water. Do it a second time. Do it a third time. Do it again. Do it until the trenches are overflowing with water. Until you get a breakthrough, until your need is met. Have that commitment to the Lord. I am going to come to this altar and I'm not going to quit. He'll meet you at that place of consistency and demonstration and that place of faith if you just keep coming. I'm telling you, he, he has an answer. It may not always be on your timetable. Time it may not be exactly what you want, but if you keep coming, he'll meet you at your place of need. I believe it with all my heart. Keep pouring the water, they said. And so... What happens after this? I love this language. I use the New King James a lot. 
So he pours this water on there. And he says, it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant. Gosh, I'll tell you, sometimes in life, the best thing you can do is say that, gosh, I just had a word, Pastor Wayne. This is a word for somebody. Sometimes the best thing you can do in life is just say what Elijah said. You're God, and I'm your servant. I don't, I don't know why this is, working, this is not working out. I don't know why everything's falling apart. I don't know why I had this dream, this plan, and it's all fell apart. I don't know why this person did this. I don't know why I didn't get this job while my finances are wrecked. I don't know why this sickness is in my family. But you're God? And I'm your servant. And I'm going to get up today, and I'm going to serve. I'm just going to serve. I'm just going to serve. And you watch it come back around. And you watch the pieces come together. That's what Elijah did, said. He said, I am God. I am, he said, you are God. I am your servant. He said, let it be known. You're the God of Israel. I am your servant. And that I have done all these things at your word. You know what I found out? If you're trying to obey God with all of your heart, I don't think it's like finding a needle in a haystack. I think he sees your heart. And when you set your heart and your will to obey him and follow him, I think he's big enough to put you exactly where he wants you. And if you're trying to make it a needle in a haystack and you've missed this and you missed this and you should have done this and you should have done that, I want to tell you, God sees the end from the beginning. He knows exactly where you are. And if he, he sees that heart of faith and obedience, and he's big enough to move a mountain if he wants or he's big enough to keep things as they are or to move it around. You just can't see the end from the beginning like he does. And then he says this, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. I like the King James language sometimes. God licked up the water. He licked it up with fire. Fire of God. I will bat, he, will, he who's coming after me is greater, John the Baptist said. He said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's a promise from the word. You say, well, I don't know about that language, baptism of the Holy Spirit. It sounds Pentecostal. John the, it was good enough for John the Baptist. Jesus even said it. Fire. What does fire do? It, I, I just wrote this down this afternoon. It guides you in darkness. Sometimes, man, when you're, when you're walking in darkness in life, a, a season where you don't know where to go, you need the fire of God. 
fire illuminates, it brings to light. What's happening in my family? You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It illuminates. Fire burns off the dross of our life. It refines us. The fire of God refines and purifies us. We need the fire of God. If we're going to be sanctified, we need the word of God. We need the fire of God, the Holy Spirit, to cleanse us and sanctify us. It burns off the dross. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. It says, do not quench the spirit. Did you know you could quench the spirit of God? Think about that. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. You say, I want the fire of God in my life. Right here. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Test what's good. Hold fast. Test. Abstain from every form of evil. Paul writes, Ephesians 4.30 says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed to the day of redemption. So from these scriptures, we can see what? The Holy Spirit can be quenched and the Holy Spirit can be grieved. I've been thinking about this idea of quenching or grieving the Holy Spirit this week. I don't think I've heard much of a, ever heard much of a teaching on quenching or grieving the Holy Spirit. And I just begin to pray. I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't want to grieve. You know, he, the Holy Spirit is a person. He can be grieved. He has a will. And so I don't want, I want the Holy Spirit, I, I, I don't want to grieve him. I, want, I don't want that in my heart and my life, my behavior. And so quench means this, to extinguish a flame to suppress or stifle. What happens when you leave a fire unattended? It slowly goes out. How do we quench, suppress, or stifle the Holy Spirit, the fire of God in our hearts and our lives? We leave spiritual things unattended. They slowly go out. We ignore the things of God. We don't give enough time to spiritual things. Jude, Jude says this. It says, pray, build yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping you in the love of God. Praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping you in the flow of God. And so how do we quench this Holy Spirit? We ignore spiritual things. We're not spiritually minded. We, the wrong people in our lives can quench Suppress the Holy Spirit in our life. Don't be unequally yoked, the scripture tells us. We get unequally yoked. We're listening to the wrong voices. We're freezing out the fire of the Holy Spirit by other people's words, like frozen icicles hitting the fire of God because we're, we're, we don't have our armor on. The scripture says he sends fiery darts. Fear. Fear. We're afraid. The devil, the, the enemy has us in fear, and he's, he's keeping us from 
from trying to follow God in faith, where where fear is just just wreaking havoc in our thought life. And it's keeping us. God, the scripture says he has not given us a spirit of what? Fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Fear is pressing us away from the fire of the Holy Spirit in our life. How about this one? Out of balance teaching. Keeping us from the fire of God. You, have, have, you heard, have you heard about the latter rain? I'm not just talking about a movement, a formula, labeling a group. I'm talking about God pouring his spirit out on the earth, which he has done and he's doing. That's not just a label. He's pouring his spirit out. Have you heard balanced teaching? Jesus said this, you do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. And so are we just focused on the scriptures so much and we're just not remembering the the power of God, the moving of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, the baptism of, of the Holy Spirit? Are we neglecting this part of our faith? Are we, do we, are we, is it out of balance teaching? Are we just, true Christianity, it's not thoughtless emotionalism or barren intellectualism. It's a balance. You want to know the scriptures. You want to be a student of the scriptures. You don't want to believe in heresy and the wrong thing, and you want to be a student. You want to continually sharpen yourself with the word of God and your knowledge of it, right, for a lifetime. But you don't want to be so cerebral that you're neglecting the power of God because God can do more in a moment, friend. He can heal your heart. He can touch your life. He can come in and bring something into your spirit and into your life and into your family that you don't get from your mind. The natural man can't receive the things of God for they are spiritually discerned. God shows you that. I'm preaching spring break. (laughs) Spring break crowd. And so the fire falls, but we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We don't want to quench the Holy Spirit of God. I just haven't heard a lot of teaching on this idea of grieving the Spirit of God. Man, Paul wrote that to Christians. God, help us to not grieve your Spirit in our lives, in our homes. Can I have an amen? We're going, to have, we're going to be the priesthood of believers. We're going to have God in our family. God, help us to not say things, to not do things, to not watch things, to not allow things in our home that grieve the Spirit of God. I, want, I, I just want to go to another level. Come on, anybody else? I just want to go to another level. Nobody's perfect. You know, we want to go to another level. How do we rekindle the flame? How do we do it? We go back to our first love. Man, you know what it's all about is Jesus. You keep him first. Keep him central. It's not about a doctrine. It's not about anything else. It's not about a church or a pastor. It's about Jesus. You keep that first love. You, you make that choice to keep him first. It's, it's about having that love for him fresh in your heart. Whatever that means for you, get back to that first love. Some of us, we have to get our praise back. Some of us get so inward and melancholy and self-focused, we got to get our praise back. Some of us have lost our praise. I'm telling you, there's something about lifting your voice with a shout of triumph in his house, in your car, 
that just brings a release in your life. Some of us need to get our praise back. You need to get in your car on the way home and shout. Be a river and not a lake. Some of us have lost the fire because we've made Christianity about ourselves. The whole, he says, you shall receive power for what? To be a witness. You, get, you have the power of God for others. So you can use your gifts. Even the fruit of the Spirit is not for you. Other people are going to eat your fruit. Other people are going to eat the fruit of patience in your life. That's for your husband. That's for your wife. That joy, that peace, that's, that's the fruit of the Spirit. But what's the difference of a river and a lake? Lakes are not connected to seas or oceans. It's a flow. I want to be full so I can minister to my family. I want to be the man of God he's called me to, do, to be so I can walk on the earth and walk out his purposes and assignments for me on the earth. It's for others. It's not just for me. That's how you get the fire back. Ask him to fill you. You know, who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit? Jesus. He. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And with fire, the scripture says, ask him. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, baptize me. It's not a formula. You can ask him anytime. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be open to you. You can ask him anytime, any place. You can ask him to fill you. And believe that he wants to fill you. There's one baptism with the old people. Old people. <laughs> the, <laughs> I'm old, man. Gosh, I'm as old as most. Listen, I'm almost 50. I feel pretty old. Man, I'm getting up there. Listen, the older Christians used to say one baptism, but many fillings. Maybe that means, and I don't even know if there's a formula, but, you know, sometimes you have this experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you need to be filled. The Scripture says be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You never, over and over, I need to be filled. I need to be filled daily. And you ask, God, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Simply cry. Simply do this. God, send your rain. I need, a, I need the refreshing. The fire, to me, the fire refines. It illuminates it, but the rain refreshes. The rain washes. Send your rain. Ask him. Ask him to send the rain into your family, into your personal life. Ask him to send the rain into this city. I believe there's an open heaven over Jacksonville. I believe that he has only begun. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Come on, let's all stand together. How does this story end? Oh, man, it's so good. The band can come up. Listen to the end of it. 1 Kings 18. Of course, we know the fire does what? Licks up. The water, I love it. And then it says, the people fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. He's the Lord, he is God. And then in, it goes on and he, Elijah says this, he, tell, he tells Ahab, he says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He heard it through his prophetic ears. Do you hear the sound? Can you hear it in your prophetic ears? I can. I really believe I can.
There's something deep inside me that says, I want to see an outpouring. I want to see an outpouring. Do you, do you believe, do you want to see an outpouring? I think, I think the best is yet to come, guys. We've seen God pouring his spirit out, but I think it's just getting started, man. You know why? Because what I talk about this altar, we're not stopping. We have leadership. We're not stopping, man. We will come to this altar. We will seek his face. We will seek him till he comes and rains down righteousness upon us. And what happens in the story? So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up on top of the mountain, Mount Carmel. He bowed down on the ground and puts his face between his knees. Don't you love this picture of this prophet with his cloak on, with this hood over his head, bowing down on his face, on his knees, on the top of a mountain? And he says, go up and look. Look towards the sea. Look towards Jack's beach. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Seven times, the prophet says what? Go again. Go again. Keep going. Keep going up and looking. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. Oh, man, here it comes. You ever been fishing and seen a cloud out on the ocean? He said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. And Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Of course, you got to read verse 46 because it's so awesome. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. You got, just got to love a sprinting prophet anointed by God that can speed up ahead of chariots, right? Come on, guys. Isaiah 44, 3 says this, For I will pour water on who? On him who is thirsty. And floods where? On the dry ground. I will pour my spirit out. I mean, here's a promise for our children and grandchildren. Come on, you got any children and grandchildren? Lift your hands up. Father, we just thank you that you're going to pour your spirit out upon all our descendants, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, that they are going to be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. Where's, this, where's my scripture? I will pour my spirit out on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Come on.